0: Oh! <laughs>
1: Indeed, Clipper Nation, what's going on? Jesse Cass here with a brand new episode of Believe in Clippers here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to the show, very happy to have you here on the Believe Podcast Network. As we are now 10 games into the regular season, your L.A. Clippers stand at 7-3 and after a 98-88 win over the Toronto Raptors on Monday night. They're heading out on the road this week uh, for a couple of games before coming back home. A lot of exciting stuff going on with the Clippers that we're going to break down on this episode. But before we do, got to let you know that if you enjoy the show, uh, know that you can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, and we're available on all of your favorite podcast directories, whether it be Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find the show and many other shows on the Believe Podcast Network at believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and follow along at any and every social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Believe Podcast is the handle, so please give a follow there, and if you'd like to follow me, at Jesse underscore Cass on Twitter, as we get this thing rolling for the Clippers, who, as we mentioned, 7-3 on the year, and a lot of exciting things coming down the pike for the Clippers, as Paul George set to return this week, as the original estimation had Paul George missing at least the first 10 games, which is where we stand now, he'll likely miss one more as he's... It's reported he's been set to return Thursday night when the Clippers take on the Pelicans. So 11 games total, not too bad at all for Paul George, coming off multiple surgeries on both shoulders. It's going to be really exciting just to see this team close to full strength. As Landry Schammett went down with what's been diagnosed as a grade 2 ankle sprain, so he'll likely be out a couple of weeks, if not over a month with that ankle sprain. But getting Paul George back in the fold, seeing him on the floor, with Kawhi, Lou Will, Trez, and the whole squad. It's going to be incredible. So we're going to break that down, get into everything uh, about Paul George's return and also really the last five games for the Clippers as they just wrapped up a five-game homestand, finishing 4-1 and one on the homestand. When we had our podcast last week, we talked to Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film Twitter account. Uh, they were just going into that matchup, rematch with Utah, which they ended up winning. So we're going to talk about all those games from the homestand, how the Clippers fared there, what's been working and what hasn't, and, of course, look forward to the return of Paul George as well. So let's get into it. It's not waste any time here in the Believe Podcast Network. Let's go. And as we mentioned, it's been a very nice start to the season for the Clippers, who have been a little bit shorthanded without one of their two key stars in Paul George. But as we said, he's on his way back, and the Clippers even without him in the lineup, have been able to succeed thus far, 7-3 on the year. And if you've been with us for the first couple of episodes, we went in detail about how difficult the Clippers' opening schedule would be through the first 10 to 10-12 games, and so far, so good for this group, 7-3 and three on the year, 7-1 and one when Kawhi Leonard plays, second-hardest schedule in the league, and the Clippers have really responded well. And you look at a lot of the teams they've had to play, of course, the Lakers on opening night, uh, the Warriors, who... Clearly are not quite the same team, but they did have to play them with Steph, with Draymond before even more injuries took hold. Uh, The Phoenix game, of course, one of the three losses. That Phoenix team looks much improved and much more difficult. We kind of detailed that early on in the first episode, that that would not be an easy game, and that turned out to be the case. Charlotte, of course, uh, played it tough, but a nice win for the Clippers there. Then one of the load management games for Kawhi at Utah was a loss, and that led into this five-game homestand for the Clippers with... Wins against the Spurs and Jazz, a loss with another load management game, close game, good game against the Bucks, uh, and then tough, gritty wins against the Blazers and the Raptors. Really, all of those teams are contending for playoff spots outside of Charlotte, and of course the Warriors with all their injuries, but the Lakers are one of the best teams in the league as well. You've seen what Utah has done. The Spurs are always in the playoff mix, of course, Milwaukee, championship contender, Portland, despite their struggles, always a good team as well. And then the Raptors, who, uh, after their loss to the Clippers, also 7-3 now. But they're a gritty, tough bunch, even without Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka to their most recent injuries. So good, solid wins for the Clippers. And it's really been different styles that have helped them win in different portions of the year early on. Early in the schedule for the Clippers, it was their offense that was carrying them. And then lately, during this homestand, it's been the defense. So it's been... Uh, a lot of different ways the Clippers are found to win, and they haven't played particularly well, but they've still been able to lock down defensively lately and win tough, gritty games, which I think is a great sign going forward for this group. And just to detail how much the, the kind of shift has happened during the first five games of the year for the Clippers, they were second in the NBA in offensive rating and 22nd in defensive rating. And over the last five, they've been 24th in offensive rating and number one in defensive rating. So the defense has carried the way. That stat came from Justin Russo on Twitter, by the way, who does a great job of covering a lot of things statistically for the Clippers. But when looking at the games from the most recent five-game homestand, those numbers certainly hold true. The defense has been outstanding and really helped the Clippers, especially in the fourth quarter, lock down games and come away with victories that haven't been especially pretty or nice looking, but they count all the same in terms of getting a win on the scoreboard and keeping things moving forward. You look at the start of the homestand against the San Antonio Spurs. This is really where the shooting struggles for the Clippers started to take place, just 5 of 26, 19% from three-point range, and that's been a a weird trend for them lately. A lot of good shooters on the team, and they're getting plenty of open shots. Kawhi Leonard is doing a great job as a facilitator and passing out of double team's You know, Lou Williams doing the same thing, creating off the pick and roll. But guys like Landry Shamit, Patrick Patterson, Jermichael Green, you know, a little bit inconsistent on the homestand. Patrick Patterson had a good game against Toronto. Uh, Shamit, of course, got hurt in that game. But the three point shooting has just been way off the mark. But even with that said, Clippers still finding ways to win. And the first game of the homestand back on Halloween, the Clippers forced 18 turnovers, which allowed them to take 11 more field goal attempts which in turn led to the Clippers making three more field goals in what was a tight game. Clippers won that game 103-97. to uh, The San Antonio Spurs actually shot it better from the field, 45% from the field, 33% from downtown, and took the same amount of free throws. Clippers ended up making two more of their 27 attempts and uh, three more field goals overall. So that defense, the seven turnover differential, was really the only differential in that game that led them to that victory down the stretch against the Spurs, against one of Kawhi's old teams. Kawhi Leonard was spectacular. He's someone who has been just dynamic in the fourth quarter. He had 38 points in the game to really carry the team in a game where not a lot of others had it going. Montrez did 24 points in that game for him, and Lou Will had an off night with just 12 on 5 of 19 shooting. But as we said, they've been able to overcome that in multiple games on this homestand early on in the season and it has been because of the defense and since Halloween since this game Clippers are number one in the NBA in defensive rating and that's been really evident on the homestand and the only game they really did struggle defensively was one of those load management games for Kawhi where he sat against the Milwaukee Bucks and that was still a game that the Clippers almost ended up winning so the defense I think is way further along right now than the offense and And the reinforcements are coming in the form of, oh yeah, Paul George, just the guy who finished number three in MVP voting last year and averaged 28 points per game and shot 39% from the three-point line and has done that or better in the past three seasons as well. So adding that dynamic player to the lineup should certainly help the offense, even if there are some initial growing pains and rust to shake off for him. But I think the offense will take a step forward. And if you had to choose between one of the two that was behind, you would choose the offense because this team and what they can do defensively is really stifling and dynamic and we saw it in their most recent game against Toronto they went with that long lineup that we said there's just so many different ways that they can go but they had Mo Harkless, Mantras, Harrell, Jermichael Green, Kawhi and then either a combination of Lou or Pat Beverly depending on what they were going for in offense defense but four guys with extreme length and switchability and just showing the dynamic level of defense they can provide and that's not even mentioning how good Zubats has been on the defensive end, averaging over a block and a half per ball game and really about 20 minutes per game. So the defense has been outstanding, and there's many different looks they can give to affect that defense on a high level. So that's been really encouraging to see. But we mentioned they started off the homestand with that win against San Antonio. Then they got their rematch with Utah, which we were kind of leading into in our last episode talking to Justin Wilson. And it was ugly for a while. And there's been a lot of these Clipper games in the first half or full quarters where you're watching and saying what the hell is going on here offensively there it's looked ugly at times granted we said there's sometimes they're just missing wide open shots other times where it's really stagnant but even with that said still finding ways to win and it has been the fourth quarter that has been the catalyst in a lot of these games and the Utah game you look at it first quarter Clippers outscored 20 to 16, so a really ugly, slow start. Uh, they put up 23 in the second quarter, 26 in the third, and then a 40 spot in the fourth quarter. And a lot of that is due to Kawhi Leonard. He had 18 in that fourth quarter as well. Lou Williams with another strong game. Montrez, who has just been off the charts. And I don't know if there, there's ever a time that we don't expect this from Montrez at this point. I mean, Montrez Harrell plays with such heart and such effort on every game. And you know that he's always going to bring it. He's always going to score in the paint. He's always going to run the floor. He's going to finish with authority. But it's also his in-between game that has made him such a special player, really. And obviously, his status in the future is undetermined with him being a free agent after this year. But he's someone that if he continues to play like this, you know, he's such a pulse of the team. If he continues to be this successful, there's no way the Clippers can't lock him up long-term. He's someone who can score with these nice soft floaters for mid-range. He's developing slowly but surely a little bit of a mid-range jump shot, but just his force around the basket in both offense and defense. Dunking, finishing, offense rebounding, and then, of course, on the defensive end being able to switch, recover, block shots. Montrez Harrell has been an absolute monster, and he was a big reason why they won that game as well. The Clippers outscored Utah 40-25 to in that fourth quarter of the second game of the homestand. Montrez, 7 of 10 from the field, 19 points, 8 rebounds in 30 minutes, had a block shot as well and was a plus 24 in his time on the floor. So again, another game where the offense struggled for most of the game, but when they really needed it, Kawhi Leonard and Montrez really picked up the slack in that game. And that led to a 2-0 start on the homestand before we got into more of the, the load management talk. And last week we talked about it a little bit, Uh, You know, so much has been made of it in the national media about the load management situation with Kawhi Leonard. And granted, the Clippers did say before the year that there wouldn't be a heavy load management problem, and maybe they weren't quite truthful about that. But even to those around the situation, as I said in the very first episode, I did think, even with them saying that, there was no way that he's going to play 82 games. They're going to arrest him. You know, not only was he... Load managed last year, where he came off the year the year prior with San Antonio, where he played just nine games, played about 65 last year, and then you throw in, of course, the full playoff run as well. But he was hurt at the end of that playoff run. You know, he has the knee issue, which they clearly has come out now and has gone into a little bit of detail with the NBA and the Clippers and going back and forth with Clippers getting fined for Doc Rivers saying that he's healthy, but they're resting him. I do think he's he's obviously healthy enough to play, but there clearly is a lingering. Issue in a, in a couple ways. I think the quad has led to the knee and taking care of that and nursing that. It's really just getting him the proper rest to make sure he doesn't exacerbate any issue. So he's not playing in back to backs right now or one end of the back to back right now. And while that may be a little frustrating early in the season, if you ask anyone in the Clippers organization or around it, hey, would you take Kawhi Leonard, but you have to sit him for maybe 10 to 15 games, maybe 10 to 20 games during the season? I don't think anyone's going to really object to that if it means he's ready and full force for the playoffs and ultimately what they expect to be a long playoff run. So it's a little bit frustrating and, of course, amplified because a couple of those games have been against good opponents in national TV games. But for the Clippers, the goal is to play late into June and try to get an NBA championship. So if they want to be cautious with Kawhi Leonard, uh, I think that's the right approach. And as we said, it is frustrating. But uh, for Kawhi, as long as he gets healthier throughout the year that's the key and you know we talked about it a little bit last week as well he barely played in the preseason he had said he didn't play any basketball really at all during the summer as he was trying to rehab the knee injury so essentially this dominant start that he's had is his training camp in his preseason so for them to take it slowly every now and again with a couple of back-to-backs uh, I think is fine for the Clippers and should work out well for them and if you had said before the year hey there's 13 back-to-backs there's no guarantee he's going to miss all of them, but hey, at least in the beginning of the year, he's not going to play them. Maybe he'll miss 10 games, maybe 12, whatever it may be. You sign up as a Clipper fan saying, say, no, 65 to 70 games of Kawhi, it's fine. It's great. So, you know, they've already missed Paul George for 10 and now 11 coming up, but he'll be back. They'll be able to stagger that a little bit as well. So I think it's been a little bit overblown with Kawhi Leonard's load management I do think he has some health issues that he's working through, really, at all times. So to keep him fresh uh, is the most important thing for the Clippers, and the fact they're able to continue to win, even though they have lost a couple of those games without him. uh, I think that'll change once, as we said, Paul George gets back, and they're able to trot out even more force when he's out of the lineup. So, you know, we'll probably see that Wednesday night when the Clippers take on the Houston Rockets. Uh, That'll probably be a load management game for Kawhi, which is... Again, as I said, it is disappointing at times because they've come against some good opponents. The other two load management games have been against Utah and Milwaukee. Tough teams, exciting games that you want to see Kawhi in there. Him affecting the team, helping them win those tough games. But, as we said, it's, it's November right now, so being smart and cautious is the number one thing for this Clippers team. But Kawhi will likely be out for that game against Houston because, according to all reports, Paul George will be back the following night, Thursday against the New Orleans Pelicans. So I think the Clippers want to have both of them on the floor together so they can instantly start to develop that chemistry. You don't want to have Kawhi play Wednesday night and then sit and have Paul George kind of thrown into the fire without Kawhi by his side on Thursday. So I think we'll see Kawhi rest on load management on Wednesday, and then the Clippers bring it all full force with the return of Paul George on Thursday. But as we said, load management annoying, but it will likely be a storyline for at least another month or two for the Clippers as the season heads on. But going back to that game where Kawhi did sit out and against Milwaukee, you know, the Bucks, one of the top two teams in the East, at least they will be when it's all said and done with them in Philadelphia at the end of the year. Giannis continued to be out of this world. And even with all of that, the Clippers had their chances to win that game. They ended up losing by five. Uh, but Montrez went wild, 34 points, 13 boards, and five assists. Patrick Beverly had a 20-10 and 10 game, and Lou Will had 34 as well. Really for them, that was the one game of the homestand that was the flip where the defense was not good, but the offense was prolific for the Clippers. And I think the one thing you can point to is Kawhi Leonard, of course, not being on the court to anchor the defense, but Clippers did shoot it well from downtown. They got to the line. Uh, They had great assist numbers, great rebounding numbers as well, but they just couldn't quite slow down Milwaukee enough. And I think some of that was just you know, an out of body experience for some of the players on the Bucks. You know, George Hill turning into Steph Curry, making six or seven threes. Korver hitting four. Giannis hitting four from downtown. Bledsoe hitting four. Uh, so, you know, that's not going to happen consistently for the Bucks. Of course, Giannis is always going to be dominant, and Korver can shoot it. But George Hill getting that hot and Bledsoe shooting that well from the outside is is not the norm for them. So, uh, it was a, a good effort and a tough loss for the Clippers, but. One that, of course, as you mentioned, without Kawhi was kind of the likely outcome against such a good team in Milwaukee. So the next night, Kawhi did play, and the Clippers were back to their staunch defensive ways, but again, turned back to struggling offensively. Uh, it was a game where Clippers looked good early, and then really in the third quarter is when things kind of fell off the wagon for the Clippers. They were outscored by 13, gave up 36 third-quarter points, but then locked down in the fourth outscore the Blazers by 12 and get the win and overall offensively 44% solid for the most part from there but again the three-point shooting as we said just a little bit head scratching four of 23 from downtown just 17% but the Clippers are able to get to the free throw line with 30 free throw attempts compared to Portland's 16 at higher assist and rebounding numbers 12 block shots and just 14 personal fouls compared to 27 for the Blazers so Clippers defense turned it on again Kawhi again in the fourth quarter despite not shooting that well still had 27 points in the ball game and Lou Williams a couple of big shots to win that one and that leads into the most recent performance for the Clippers and again as we said sometimes during this game against Toronto like it was against the Utah game like it was in the Portland game even in the San Antonio game for stretches where you know Clippers got off to a 9 and 9-2 nine lead and then just dreadful terrible offense for the Clippers for a large chunk of the first quarter a large chunk of the third quarter as well but again turning it on defensively in the fourth just 10 points allowed in the fourth quarter as they outscored the Raptors 25 to 10 in the fourth to end up winning 98 to 88 in a really hard-fought gritty basketball game and it was the first time all year we saw that level of attention to detail paid to Kawhi Leonard and of course playing his old team Nick Nurse knows as much about Kawhi as anyone else would. Uh, They sent aggressive double teams, almost triple teams at point, and really made it tough for Kawhi to get anything going offensively. He was just 2 of 11 from the field. He did make 8 of 9 free throws and affected the game in many other ways than scoring. Had 11 rebounds, 9 assists. He did have 9 turnovers, so that can't be overlooked as well, but 3 steals uh, along with that near triple-double. So Kawhi, despite the... Incredibly aggressive defense from the Raptors was able to contribute. And again, we saw big performances from Lou Williams, Montres Harrell, Jamichael Green, and Mo Harkless. And even though shots weren't falling for the Clippers again, that defensive lineup in the fourth quarter was astounding. They were getting their hands on everything countless amounts of deflections, block shots, steals, contests at the rim. Their length was very noticeable and really stifled the Toronto Raptors in that fourth quarter. And Jamichael Green, who was just three of eleven from the field, zero of five from downtown, had some wide open threes that he missed badly. Uh, he still was able to contribute, had a big offensive rebound and putback, ended up with ten points and twelve boards. Also had a block shot, and Mo Harkless, his defense was tremendous as well. He chipped in two block shots to go along with nine points, four boards, and three assists in thirty-three strong minutes. So again, it was the defense all the way. Clippers from three-point range, just eight of thirty-six. So. It's not like they're not taking three-pointers and a lot of them are good looks but those have to start falling at some point but they were just 37 percent for the ball game 22 from downtown they were able to get to the free throw line much more often doubled up the raptors in free throw attempts hitting 22 of 30 compared to 9 of 15 for toronto this was one of the rare games where the turnover number was especially high for the clippers 19 but they did force 15 on the other end and oh by the way the rebounding battle was really where this game was won 38 rebounds for the Raptors, 66 for the Clippers, including 20 offensive rebounds. 66 were the most rebounds for the Clippers in nearly 20 years in a ball game. They also had 7 block shots and really imposed their will on the offensive glass in particular. And uh, It was a game that was tough, gritty as we said, but one I think that the Clippers earned with a hard-fought effort on both ends of the floor pushing them to 7 and 3 overall on the year and dropping Toronto to 7 and 3 as well and i found it really interesting that nick nurse after the game i understand he's upset thought some calls didn't go their way but he went so far to say as he thought toronto vastly outplayed the clippers in that game and deserved to win which i found a little bit odd you know usually when you're talking post game you want to give credit to the opponent when they beat you even if you are upset about the officiating Granted, Toronto did play with a great amount of pride on the second night of a back-to-back. They definitely played hard, but it's not as if they were fully executing on the offensive end or doing anything incredible that screamed, hey, we deserve to win this game more than the Clippers do. They only shot slightly better from the field at 40% compared to 37 As we said, they didn't really get to the free-throw line, which of course was a big part of Nick Nurse's frustration after the ball game, but they also turned it over 15 times and they got out-rebounded by almost 30. So anytime there's that big a disparity, and oh, by the way, the Raptors shot 4 of 24 in the fourth quarter and scored 10 points. Anytime you score 10 points in a quarter, let alone the fourth quarter, I don't think you deserve to win the game. So I think the Clippers earned that one fair and square and got a very tough win against a very good and fun Toronto team, who I think will be a factor in the Eastern Conference once again, even without Kawhi Leonard you know, they they of course are right now playing without Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, so they're still very talented and a very tough ball club, and they have a couple of nice players off that bench in particular with Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis, so they have a great developmental system and a lot of good players, and it should be fun to see when the Clippers and Raptors take on each other again in about a month in early December when Kawhi makes his return to Toronto to see how competitive that game will be with Paul George back in the fold for the Clippers as well, so... That'll be an exciting rematch to look forward to next month, but for the Clippers, we said 7-3 despite some really ugly shooting numbers from the field, finding ways to win defensively, and now finding themselves out to a quick two-game road trip against the Houston Rockets and the New Orleans Pelicans. So we said, the Rockets game will likely be a load management game for Kawhi Leonard, so it'll be a tougher game to win for the Clippers uh, with Harden and Westbrook out there, but The Rockets dealing with injuries as well. Eric Gordon likely to miss about a month or maybe even six weeks with an injury that he just suffered. Uh, And Nene is out. Also Daniel House. So a couple of key contributors for the Rockets down. We'll see if Lou Will and Montrez and crew can pull things together for that one. And then on the second night of a back-to-back, should be an energized Clippers team against the New Orleans Pelicans who have really struggled so far this season. Of course, Zion Williamson still out with his knee injury. Brandon Ingram missed the last game with a right knee injury, so his status is unknown. Lonzo Ball, again, dealing with some injuries, an adductor injury. So they've really struggled. Just two wins on the year so far for the Pelicans as they have got off to a very slow start. But still early in the season, and they still have a lot of talent and depth. So that'll be a really fun game. But the return of Paul George will be the story in that one. And finally, getting to see him and Kawhi Leonard in particular share the floor offensively and defensively, should be a sight to see. And I think there's so many things in so many areas where Paul George can make an impact immediately. And there will be some rust. There will likely be some fatigue in coming back and playing five-on-five five and getting out there against real competition. But having another creator and facilitator for in Paul George, he can clearly break down the defense, get to the rim. He can score at all three levels. His three-point shooting will greatly and vastly improved the Clippers offense where they've struggled so much in that department shooting near 40 percent from downtown but just the ability to draw defenders we saw in the Toronto game where they put so much attention on Kawhi Leonard sending double and triple teams and trapping him near half court that really can't happen if they're both on the floor if you do that then you'll have either the Clippers playing four on three going downhill or you'll have Paul George or Lou Williams or Pat Beverly or Trez open in space with wide open looks. So with all of the engines go and all of the weapons available for the Clippers, I think their offense is going to turn into a dynamic force. And then you throw in the fact that Paul George is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league as well. I don't think they'll take any steps back on the defensive end. It's going to be uh, an incredible sight to see. And this, of course, was the whole plan in the offseason to get these two and really form... Maybe not quite a super team, but just a stifling, dynamic defensive team. I think we're going to see that almost immediately. And then that will lead into the Clippers to another homestand. So the two games on the road, quick back-to-back on Wednesday and Thursday. And then, you know, Clippers just came off a five-game homestand. They'll have another five-game homestand after the quick two on the road where they have the Hawks, the Thunder, the Celtics, the Rockets, and the Pelicans. You know, all competitive games, tough teams, but another chance for the Clippers to fatten up that record, getting back at home, having Paul George in the fold, and being able to try to pile up some wins before a couple of extended road trips in December to even out the schedule after this home-heavy start to the season. So even though the Clippers have had a lot of home games, we mentioned it's been against a lot of good teams, a very tough opening schedule, and they've responded to it well. Seven and three on the year, and a lot of exciting things coming up in the next couple of weeks for the Clippers. So we'll certainly really look forward to that as we follow along here on the Believe in Clippers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. So that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank you again for tuning in and know that if you do enjoy the Believe in Clippers podcast, you can follow along with us on any of your favorite directories, including Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also follow along at Believe.com and take a look at the over 130 shows that are on the platform there covering all the local LA area teams as long as many others across the sports landscape so be sure to check out Believe.com as well Uh, and as we said talking about a little bit before a couple games coming up this week for the Clippers back to back on the road against the Rockets and the Pelicans and then back home Saturday night to take on the Atlanta Hawks so exciting games coming up for the Clippers and of course Paul George back for the Clippers this week can't wait And can't wait to talk about it here on the podcast next week as well. We've got, as we mentioned, a co-host who's going to be joining and jumping into the fold very soon on the podcast as well. So we can't wait to announce that and get that rolling. But thank you for tuning in here on the Believe Podcast Network and following along with the L.A. Clippers here on the Believe Podcast Network, L.A.'s number one sports podcast network and the only network with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our L.A. teams. Do you believe? Go Clips.